There are clear, scientifically proven predictors for divorce. These are toxic patterns that find their way into a couple's conflict conversation. In today's episode, we're going to talk about one of these toxic patterns, and we'll also be giving you the solution so that you can be sure to safeguard your relationship. Did you know the average couple waits six years to get help in their marriage? Yeah, that's six years of pain, hurt, and frustration. Hi there, I'm Charla Snow. And I'm Robert Snow. And welcome to Master Your Marriage. Where we believe that having an amazing marriage should never feel like hard work and shouldn't be a guessing game. This is the show for married couples who want to discover a scientifically proven approach to building a masterful marriage and have fun while doing it. So if that's you, you're in the right place. Let's dive in. So before we get started, just a quick reminder that enrollment is open for the eight-week Master Your Marriage online coaching program. This is not a recorded co- course. This is a live weekly small group coaching with us where we work on friendship, intimacy, conflict, and alignment. Right now, we have a 50% discount for the first 10 couples who enroll with the promo code PODCAST. The link is in the show notes. So today we're going to be building on last week's show, which was on perpetual conflicts. And this will be one of several episodes that's going to be on the topic of how to have constructive conflict. So just to backtrack a bit, we want to reiterate that the main point from last week's episode before we move forward, which is conflict is inevitable. On average, 69% of conflicts in relationships are not solvable. And the goal is to dialogue find compromise in such a way that both partners' ideals and values are respected. Exactly. Because in a true partnership, both parties have a responsibility to dialogue about their problems in a way that is both respectful and gentle and also truthful. See, being in a committed relationship and being all in means I love you too much to keep this problem hidden, or worse, to take this problem to someone else. That's never a good idea. That's not going to work. It also means I love you too much to let these resentments build or to allow them to calcify. So being all in requires us or me to take my problem to Sharla because I love her Hmm. and I trust her and I see us as equals. If I'm too afraid to bring my problems to her, then I'm not seeing her as my equal. Exactly. And and same for me, right? It would be patronizing of me to not bring my issues to him because on some level, it's going to be suggesting to him that I don't think he can handle it, like whatever that issue is. You know, in a true equally yoked partnership, we each bear the responsibility to dialogue about our struggles and to be honest with each other because ultimately we want our relationship to be strong. Yeah, I think that's the case. Yeah. But how do we have these crucial conversations in a positive and gentle way? This will be the subject of our next several episodes. But before we can do that, we need to provide you with some really important background. Exactly. Yes. So in previous episodes, we've mentioned John Gottman and we've touched a little bit on some of his research. But it's time we give you a little more detail about the studies that he conducted, because from that research, we know exactly what to do and not do when we're having a conflict conversation or a disagreement. So let's dig into the research and, you know, 
I love me some research. I know because, you do. Uh, I'm a scientist at heart. Who knew? Um, it all started when John Gottman and Bob Levinson, uh, I think they were both PhDs at the mm -hmm. time, decided that they wanted to study the predictability of relationships. And they tell a little story about why they were studying it, because their relationships kept failing between each of them. So they asked the question, was it possible to predict which relationships would stay together and which ones would not? In their first experiments, they'd have couples come into their physiology lab, sit down, and they would have three separate 15-minute conversations, all while being video recorded. During these conversations, Gottman and Levinson would monitor and then later synchronize the video recordings of the couples to their physiology. That means they were simultaneously measuring things like heart rate, how much they were sweating, body movement. And they actually created a sensor that was on the subject seat that measured how much they moved. And this they, this they called their jiggle meter. Yeah, that sounds sophisticated. Yep. <laughs> so let me tell you about these conversations that they would have the couples have. So there were three conversations. The first conversation that they asked the couples to have was to just talk about their day, just talk about what was going on that day and do it for 15 minutes. The second conversation, um, they asked the, the couples to talk about a conflict. And they said, hey, just pick your your biggest conflict in your relationship and try to resolve it in the next 15 minutes. Yeah, that's not going to work. <laughs> if you listened to last week's episode, you know that would is an impossible task. And then the third conversation they had them have, um, they were asked to just pick any positive topic and talk about it for 15 minutes, like maybe an upcoming vacation. Yeah, I could talk about an upcoming vacation. Oh, I love that topic. Yeah. So that was it. That was the beginning of their research. And then three years later, Gottman and Levinson contacted these couples and to see if they were together, separated, divorced, living unhappily, whichever. If they were together, had they become more or less happy? And then they continued tracking these couples throughout their relationship. Over time, they learned that they could predict the future of a relationship with 90 to 94% accuracy. That's crazy. Yeah. 94% accuracy? Yeah. They could actually predict which relationships were going to be, going to be successful and which ones were going to be doomed. Uh-oh. Well, that actually wasn't the end. They also wanted to know if their findings would would hold in different age groups, different socioeconomic groups, and gay and lesbian couples. Would that predictability still hold up in all of these different groups? And again, he would have couples come back to the lab every three years, all the way up to 20 years. And they studied them throughout all the different life transitions, right? Through parenting and aging and retirement. And guess what? That predictability it still held up in all these different demographics. They actually replic replicated the study 16 times and got the same findings. And that's really important in science. That ability to uh, replicate results is really important. Man, I can't even imagine the amount of data that they had. Exactly. Good thing for grad students. That's what those guys, <laughs> sure. they work for free. So what did they discover over nearly 40 years of research? What they discovered is that there are eight predictors for divorce. Ooh, eight. eight? Eight predictors. That's actually pretty easy to learn eight things, yeah. at least eight things yeah. not to do. We'll talk about those. And the best of these predictors come from observing the conflict conversation, that 15-minute conflict discussion. In that time period, in that 15-minute time period, research, researchers were able to predict the future of a relationship with about 90% accuracy just based on how 
that couple did that conflict in that 15 minutes. So think about this because we talked about it just a minute ago when they had these couples come back year after year after year and they said, talk about your top, top conflict. I think what they started to realize is the top conflict <laughs> was never really changed and that's where that came from. So one of the predictors that, that they would look for is what John Kotman called the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Now that's pretty dreadful, but the four horsemen are called criticism, contempt, defensiveness, and stonewalling. And because these conflict patterns are so toxic in a relationship, we're gonna talk about them one by one in the next four episodes, starting with the first one. Right, and the first toxic pattern that we're going to focus on in this episode is just criticism. Criticism is the first of the four horsemen because it's usually the one that shows up first in a conflict conversation in a relationship. Criticism is distinctly different, and this is important, it's distinctly different than, say, a concern or a complaint. And sure, couples are going to have complaints. They have complaints about each other all the time, and that's okay. But the difference is that, unfortunately, couples often resort to criticizing each other rather than simply expressing the concern. And I would think that this criticism really is more of a learned behavior. Mm, yeah, there'll yeah. be a whole episode yeah, on there's that. A, there's a lot more on that. So the difference between a complaint and criticism is this. Complaints are focused on the issue, but criticisms are focused on the person and their character. Let's say you have a genuine concern about your partner being on their phone at dinner mm-hmm. because you feel lonely and disconnected and want to spend that time together. An example of criticism. Why are you always on your phone at dinner? You're so insensitive and self-centered. Mm-hmm. So here's the problem with that approach. That statement focuses on the person and their character rather than the actual issue. Right, and you can see that right away when they use the word you and they use the word why. Those two things are big tip-offs, which we're gonna- I didn't feel saying that. I know. Yeah, okay. So we'll, we'll uh, we'll get into how you can detect these in just a second. The big problem with criticism is that when you bring up a problem in this way, you set the tone for the entire conversation. And how the conversation starts is usually how it ends. Oh, brother, here we go again. If the conversation starts harshly, it usually ends harshly 96% of the time. Criticism typically gets met with defensiveness and that gets met with more defensiveness until someone ends up stonewalling and sitting in silence and nothing improves, right? Nothing gets compromised, nothing is made better. And so this is why it's so important to bring up issues gently. And just a little side note here, it's actually about um, about 80% of the time it is the female, it's the woman who is bringing up a concern. So it's really important for us as women to learn how to do a gentle startup so that we don't put our spouse on the defensive right from the get-go. I hope we're going to get to some examples for that, right? If we have time. Okay, if we have time. Now, some criticisms are not so obvious. In our experience, people are often not aware that they're being critical. So the first step in eradicating criticism is recognizing it for what it is. Before we can teach you the solution to criticism, let's talk about some of the ways that criticism might be showing up in your relationship, even if you're not aware of it. Here are six sneaky ways criticism gets into your conversations. All right, six sneaky ways. Number one, why questions. All right, this is a big one we hear a lot. Why questions often truly aren't intended to be a criticism. Sometimes they're a genuine question, 
but your partner is not likely going to hear it that way. They are probably going to hear it more as a character attack. So these might be, here's some examples, maybe like, why didn't you do the dishes today? Why didn't you remember to grab the mail? Why are you on your phone again during dinner? Why do you waste so much time playing video games? Because they're fun. <laughs> well, even listening to those questions, you can feel yourself getting like a little edgy and a little defensive, can't you? Yeah, I didn't. I didn't like any of those I questions. I didn't like them at all. <laughs> okay, number two, exaggerated statements. Criticisms often carry words of exaggeration, and people do this because they really want to get their point across about how frustrated they're feeling. But when your partner hears it, they hear it as something is wrong with them. What's an exa- an example of an exaggerated word? What's it? like um, always so it, never, never and always statements. Okay, you never okay. do the dishes. You're always so lazy. You're always on your phone. Um, you never care about spending time with me. So always and never statements. Those universal quantifiers, yeah. right? Okay. Exaggerations for sure. Okay. Number three are should statements. Should statements toward others often causes them to feel shamed or judged. It's usually communicating that your partner did something wrong. So therefore, there must be something wrong with them, right? And so you like, for example, Robert, you should have known not to put my favorite sweater in the dryer. How many of my clothes have you shrunk? I think I've shrunk a couple of your sweaters <laughs> for okay. sure early on. How did that feel? Yeah, it felt about like that. Yeah, yeah, it didn't didn't yeah. feel so good. So number four, making a joke about a perceived flaw in your partner. And I will tell you, I once had a roommate um, and he was from Wales, England, and his favorite saying was many a true word is said in jest. That's true. It is. So when you're making a joke about our partner, it, it sometimes we feel like we're being playful, but it's actually going to come across as passive aggressive. It's usually a way to voice a complaint without being direct. And your partner will feel especially criticized or embarrassed if you happen to make the mistake of doing this in front of other people. Yeah, that's not good. So like a perfect example. Well, it's not a perfect example. So that's her extra special seasoning. She always adds to the chicken. Flame broiled. Well done. Dental plans are not provided. <laughs> Are you saying that my chicken's overdone? No, your chicken's great. <laughs> okay. Uh. Number five. So two more. Number five is fixing your partner's mistakes. So there are actually nonverbal ways where you don't even need to say anything, but it's still a criticism. And one way is by fixing things that you think they did wrong. So let's say your spouse loads the dishwasher and when they're done, you come in right away and huffing and puffing and you start fixing and taking everything, all the dishes out that they put in there and reversing them and doing them your way. And that will definitely feel like a criticism, especially if you act visibly irritated while you're having to do it. Oh, I think I've done that sometimes. (laughs) That might be about me. Okay, number six, any kind of complaint or voicing a concern when you're having a bad day or you're in in a a bad mood. In a bad mood, yeah. Okay. Oddly enough, our tone of voice and our body language account for 93% of how we communicate. That means that only 7% of our communication is actually the words that are coming out of our mouths. So this means that if you're in a highly negative state, like anger, resentment, frustration, that's going to come across and be felt no matter what we say verbally. So maybe we should calm ourselves down a little bit before we... Yeah, I think we should calm ourselves down. So before bringing uh, bringing a complaint to your partner, do the work to calm yourself down first. Otherwise, your partner despite what you say, is going to read your body language and feel it as criticism. 
So, little story. I remember a time when I was dealing with a lot of work stress. And I don't remember if Charlotte asked me to do this, but I, I remember this saying. And the saying was, leave work at work and don't bring it home. I remember days standing in the garage before going in the house and mentally putting my problems on the shelf. Hmm. It was a visualization technique that I needed to employ so that I would not come in the house in a frustrated state. Hmm. Did you pick them up on your way back in the morning? No, I just tried to forget about them. But, you know, as problems are, usually if you just leave them alone a little bit, they'll, just, yeah. they'll, they'll, find, they'll find their way back, but they don't need to own you. I like that visualization, though. That's cool. All right. So now we've covered what to eliminate. So now we want to give you the formula, the steps for actually how to bring up a complaint or a concern without being critical. Remember, this is important because if a conversation starts badly, it's going to end badly 96% of the time. And that's why the solution to criticism is gentle startup. Let me say that again. The solution to criticism is a gentle startup. Now, here is the three-step, super simple formula that you can memorize right now and employ and put into practice today. It's three steps. Ready? Yeah, I like I like that it's three steps because I think I can remember this one. I think we can. All right, step one, express how you feel and make it an I statement instead of a you statement. The best way to start is by stating how you feel. For example, I'm feeling overwhelmed or I am feeling frustrated or I am feeling lonely. Oh, okay. That feels gentle. Yeah. Okay, great. And then step two, you're going to say about what? So you're feeling something. You're feeling lonely. You're feeling frustrated. You're feeling overwhelmed. About what? So step two is about what? And this is where you're going to talk about the specific situation, the situation itself, not your partner. So you're going to describe the situation that is causing your feelings. Uh, step three, state what you need in a positive form. And that's actually really cool because Charlotte will say this to me. Just tell me what you want. Rather than <laughs> rather than what you don't want. What you don't want. So she would say, she'll often say, that's what you don't want. Why don't you tell me what you do want? Right. And it sort of helps reframe that. So step three, step what you need or state what you need in a positive form. This means asking your partner to take positive action regarding your concern. You do need you do need to make it clear and ask for what you want, not what you don't want. Mm -hmm. And for example, I need help with the dishes rather than I need you to stop being so lazy. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that was pretty funny. Okay, so I need help with the dishes definitely sounds better than you are so lazy. Yes. Right. All right, so let's repeat these steps because they are really easy. Step one is I feel. Step two, about what? Step three, I need. So I feel mm -hmm. about what Yep. I need. Got it. Okay. Hey, we memorized cool. it. Good work. What if we actually put this into practice and use a couple of examples from either our own life or maybe from questions that we've had? Like, for example, I think we had a question this week in social media about mother-in-laws, meddling mother-in-laws. I think that came up in one of our comments this week. They said, hey, talk about meddling mother-in-laws. What can we do? Here we go. This it must is be for pretty you. popular. It's not the first time we've heard this. So let's say mother-in-law is nosy and she's critical and she comes into your house and she criticizes your parenting or she criticizes your cooking. Okay. Let's use that as an example. Okay. Go. So um, let's pretend it's me and it's your mother-in-law. Let me give you a harsh startup first and then you tell me how it feels and then okay. I'll give you a gentle startup and we'll compare and contrast. Sound good? Okay. Cool. So, all right. Robert, why do you never stick up for me? 
do you not have a backbone or is it that you don't have ears? I mean, your mother-in-law is obviously a horrible human being. I don't know how you can't see it. And I don't know. She's coming over tonight and I just don't even think I can handle her in my business tonight. Are you laughing? I'm laughing, yeah. Did you listen to any of that? No, I stopped listening as soon as you told me I didn't have a backbone <laughs> or I didn't have any ears. I figured if I didn't have ears, I couldn't hear you. Okay. So for... it was just fine. All right. Well, forgive me because I didn't really mean it. That wasn't me. Okay. I promise. Cool. Okay. Is so there a better way? There is a better way. Can and I try I'll, it again? Let's try Can it. Can I get a do-over? Maybe I'll listen to it this time. All right. So, honey, I, you know I do love your mom. You know, and I know she means well. And I know she's doing the best that she can with the resources she has. And But here's the thing. I'm just, I'm feeling kind of scared. And I'm feeling worried and anxious because she's coming over tonight. I'm worried about how she's going to be, to treat me. Because last time she was here, I felt so criticized. I felt criticized about my parenting. I felt criticized about my cooking. And I would just love it if you could just maybe find a way to support me tonight so that I can just take a breath and kind of relax a little bit when I'm around her. Oh, wow. That That's feel, awesome. That sure. feel different? How, how can I do that for you? All right, let's talk that, about that. That would be great. See, so much different, right? Oh, yeah. So yeah. all I did was say how I was feeling and about what, and then I asked him to support me. So much better than asking you if you had yours. Yeah, well, yeah, absolutely. Or, or a backbone. <laughs> All right, let's do one more. Um, let's do the talking on or being on the phone because this is a huge one. We've done it to each other and we've seen it. Obviously, we have a lot of clients that brought it up like they're just so annoyed because their partner is not present and they're on their phone all the time. Yeah, and it's difficult to connect that and way it, too. It is. So okay. you Me? do it this time. I'm going to do it this way? <laughs> I may have yeah. practiced this. Well, I don't think it's like this, but we'll see. Um, so do it harsh. The harsh. Do it Are really you seriously harsh. on your phone again? You're always on your phone. Is that thing grown into the side of your head? <laughs> You're so annoying. What is the point of even having dinner together? It's not like you're even here. You're. I can't take you seriously because you're giggling. <laughs> but you how did that idea. sound? Um, it was cute because it was so not you. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's nice. Uh, okay, do it. Do it the nice way. I do it the next way. Gentle startup. Hey, you know I've really been missing you and craving connection, and I miss I miss you when you bring the the, the phone to the dinner table. Do you think we could both put our phones away for the rest of the night and just spend some time hanging out, talking, and maybe cuddling on the couch or watching a movie? Mm, that sounds nice. I I do want to watch a movie. Let's do that. Let's do that. We should yeah. go do that right now. Okay, let's okay, go. All cool. right, let's wrap this up then. Okay, I All like right. it. So to wrap up this episode, let's just review a little bit. Using this formula doesn't guarantee that your complaints will always be resolved because remember, 69% of conflicts are perpetual. However, it will greatly reduce the risk of having your concern be completely disregarded right from the get-go by your spouse because now they're more focused on defending the criticism rather than coming to a compromise or not even listening or not even listening or not even listening so the solution again or the antidote to criticism is a gentle start which is i feel about what i need so this should greatly assist you in starting conflict conversations in such a way that they have the best chance for success until next time Thank you for listening to Master Your Marriage. If you have a topic you'd like us to cover, then we want to hear from you. 
Just go to MasterYourMarriagePodcast.com and send us your question. Oh, and while you're there, you can also check out our retreats and events and even apply for coaching. And make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you get advanced notice of when the next episode drops, plus show notes and many extras. Thanks again for tuning in.